This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Promises Behavioral Health. If you're struggling through the pains of alcohol or drug addiction or a mental health disorder, now's the time to seek the help that you need. Let this be an opportunity to get back on track and get back to finding the real you. You're not alone and Promises Behavioral Health is here and they can help. We've worked with Promises for years. We know their teams personally. We have great relationships with them. And most importantly, we trust Promises and so can you. To learn more about Promises treatment options near you, for you, or your loved one, here's what you can do. You can go to promises.com slash sober guy. That's promises.com slash sober guy. Or you can just pick up the phone and call 888-205-1890. That's 888-205-1890. Tell them that you heard about them from that Sober Guy podcast. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. You've been listening for a long time. I appreciate you continuing to support the show. If you're new, welcome. Yeah, it's good to have you here today. Our guest today is Mitch Leff, also known as Mitch Motivates. Shout out to Adam Glenn for helping to set this up. Appreciate you, brother. Mitch is the Chief Operations Officer of Neenst, is it Neinstein? I should have asked Mitch that. Neinstein or Neenstein Plastic Surgery. Um, he's got a background in mental health, substance abuse, and addiction recovery. And he brings a unique lens to his life and uh, he's got a lot of positive energy and experience. He just celebrated 14 years of continuous sobriety, so big shout out to Mitch for that. Um, before he worked in plastic surgery, he actually started Mitch Motivates after noticing the need for experienced, independent experts in the recovery community. Uh, he's been in recovery since 2006, just when he was 19 years old. Uh, man, he's, he's got a, a great story. He's going to share some of it today with us, and it's been really great to chat with him. Just want to give him uh, lots of love for coming on the podcast today. So thank you. I'm excited to share this conversation with you. And uh, we're going to get to Mitch in just a second. But first, you can find all of our resources, uh, like our free 10-day guide to help jumpstart your life without alcohol. Uh, we also have a 30-day quit drinking dude challenge. That's 30 podcasts in 30 days, plus community support, uh, daily exercises to help keep you on track. And uh, it's just a great program. Uh, we also have Sober Guy Men's Crew, more podcast meetings. You can get all of that by going to thatsoberguy.com. Uh, and uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at that Sober Guy Podcast. Uh, all the links from today's show will be in the show notes. So be sure to go there and check those out. Uh, so without further ado, here is Mitch Leff. All right, welcome to the show today. I have my buddy Mitch Leff here. Uh, Mitch, how are you, man? Good to see you today. I'm blessed. I'm having a great day. Yeah, I love it, man. Thanks for taking some time uh, to come on the podcast today. And a uh, uh, big shout out to Adam uh, for setting this up today, man. Thanks to uh, thanks to him, man. This is good stuff. So uh, yeah. how's it going? How do, you, how do you and Adam know each other, by the way? Just curious. Adam Glim? Yes, sir. Well, he's a legend. Who doesn't know? <laughs> he is. He is quite the legend. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, okay. so... Uh, are, are you down in uh are you down in southern california is that correct 
New York City, baby. Oh, New York. Okay. For some reason, yeah. I thought you were down in L.A. Yeah. Nice, man. I guess the uh, the the picture in the back there uh, we're giving that away. I think that's yeah, the right? Empire State Building. Yeah, with wow. the balloons, Statue of Liberty. Nice, man. That's pretty red. Yeah, we're setting the tone right here. Love it. How's things going? Good today. Yeah, I mean, last week I celebrated my 14 years of continuous sobriety. Dude, that's so I'm, amazing. I'm on a journey, brother. Congratulations, 14 years. What's the secret in 14 years? What What are some of the common things that have been yeah. foundational for you? Honestly, I would say one day at a time, but that would be a lie. One hour at a time. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. You know, consistency for me, for my sobriety. Mm. You know, and I definitely think we'll get into my story, but I was thinking about it this morning. Just consistently, just showing up, one day, one hour at a time, and just trying to not be perfect, just be the best man I can be. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. The uh, That's the old saying, perfection is the enemy of excellence. I know I've said it many times on the show before, but I really do feel like that too, man. And I... I don't know. I don't know if you still struggle with that. I do at times like that perfection. Like I have to very meticulous about shit. So it's kind of like a blessing and a curse because I want things a certain way, organized, try to do my best all the time. But at the same time, sometimes it can be overwhelming trying to have everything like that. So maybe there's some sort of line in between that I have to let go of sometimes. Do you still struggle with, with any of that kind of stuff or? Yeah, yeah of course, but I don't know that I obsess. Yeah. Right. When, when I don't have that one thing in my life, I'm obsessing about it. You know, yeah. right now it's a relationship and I don't have a girl in my life. So, but, and sometimes that distracts me from realizing how amazing and blessed I really am. Yeah. You know, like some quick steps, right? I have 14 years sober. I live in New York. I, ha I own my own apartment. I have an amazing job. I have so many friends. I'm tight with my family. I have a dog, you know, I have this blessed life, but that one or two things that I'm working on, just like sometimes I wake up and I'm, I'm like, oh my God, my day sucks. I'm a horrible person. I'm not worth, yeah. you know, those thoughts through my head, you know, yeah. I have to stop myself. Yeah. That's like that self-destructive um, mechanism mentality. I don't know exactly what it is. It's, I also feel too, I can't remember where this just came up recently. Um, it's almost like there's a, there's an, a, so we have the addiction. I think it was on the last, last week's podcast. Actually, there's like an addiction. We suffer with addiction, whether it's food, uh, drugs, alcohol, sex, money, whatever it is. Right. But there's almost like this secondary addiction to the struggle too, you know, that came before yeah. all of that. So it's like, man, if things are good, sometimes I'm like, this is too, this can't be real. Like I need some struggle in my, I need to like go through, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's uh, and it's kind of a weird, kind of a weird thing. Um, yeah, no, I feel you, but also I feel like you can use that. I can use that to make me better. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's good. I, my whole sobriety, I've been using that chip on my shoulder to motivate me. Mm. To just get, get shit done. I, can I curse on here? You want me to keep it clean? Uh, it's go ahead, man. Free, free speak, freedom <laughs> of speech. Yes. Yeah. To get stuff done, man. Yeah. I, I feel like I use this, uh, my struggles with addiction and mental health to make me better. Like my, you know, like Kanye West says my superpower. Mm. It really is. Yeah. I believe it. 
So let's let's backtrack a little bit. Then you got 14 years. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm sure lots of ups and downs. Um, maybe share a little bit about that with us. What did, what did that used to look like? You know, 14 years prior. Uh, you know, who who was who was Mitch and what was going on in your life, man? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to share about my story. Um, so you know, I come from a really nice family in New Jersey. I grew up nice parents. They don't really drink. They definitely don't do drugs. No one in my family, to my knowledge, I saw do drugs. Everyone was nice. And I just always felt different. And as soon as I had that first sip of alcohol, man, I'm telling you, with my friends, it was normal in a basement, a beer. I was like, we each had a beer. I was like, that warm feeling in my heart, like, wow, you know, and I chased that. And then right away, I was an abnormal drinker. Right away, I snuck in the liquor cabinets of my parents, stealing stuff. You know, I was so stupid with I took like vodka out of the freezer and I filled it with water. <laughs> filled the whole bottle. Out. And it's then classic. my dad holds the bottle absolutely. It's like, what's this ice cube? You, you know, it loses, <laughs> you know? And, and then first it was drinking. For, and then I just like right away, it was different. I would, I would mix any type of alcohol with Gatorade. Just pour it in the Gatorade. Jack Daniels, vodka. I mean, you name it. I didn't care. Cause I wanted to get drunk right away. Yeah. You know, that's what made sense to me. And then, you know, I was maybe 15, 16 at the time. So, you know, drugs were easier to get than alcohol, you know, because, yeah, you know, drug dealers didn't cart. Right. <laughs> and like, so sure. I, I, I started smoking weed the same way I drank alcohol, just like balls to the wall multiple times a day. So, and like consequences didn't mean anything to me. Like I had something to, meaning like if I had something to do, I would get high. It, like if I missed it, I missed it. If I didn't show up somewhere, I'd, if I didn't go to class, you know, it was just right away zero to 60. Yeah. And then one day someone I used to smoke a lot of weed with, you know, was like, Mitch, uh, you want to try Coke? And that's when it really got downhill when I tried, started with the cocaine. Um, and I used the same way that I used with the, with the weed, with the alcohol. And I was in high school, by the way, yeah. blowing lines before school. Mm. And graduate, then, gra you know, I'm using, I'm, I'm, I'm changing friend groups, you know, kind of going down the wrong path. Graduation night from high school. I got arrested. That was the first real consequence with the law. I got arrested going to a party to celebrate graduation. So here I am handcuffed to a chair in the police station and everyone else is celebrating graduating from high school. And I remember, you know, this guy that I was gonna, I went to college and this guy with, who I was going with was like, Mitch, why don't you slow down when, when we're there? And, and I remember saying like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of like my I had arrived moment. Like this guy was noticing that I was a badass and doing a lot of drugs and that I got arrested. I remember it was July 4th, summer before college. Um, and then I went away for college and stuff went downhill really quickly, man. This is when I hit bottom. I, I again, the drug use just like didn't show up to anything. I, I, I was in a dorm in Indiana. I'm, again, I'm from New Jersey. I just like, all I did was like, wake up and I, I how am I going to get more? Um, I was 
a degenerate like cocaine user at that point. It, it took like a couple of years and right away it was a degenerate. I, I would like, I wouldn't shower. I wouldn't leave my room. I would even pee in water bottles in my room. There was like bottles of urine on my desk in my college dorm. I didn't need to eat, right? Uh, every couple days I would shower just to clean up my nose. Um, yeah. And then... How are you supporting um, that habit? Like, cause it's not cheap yeah. either if you know, it's a daily issue like that. Yeah. So was that a struggle? Were you working at the time or did you have college money or? No, that's a great question. There's no way I could have kept the job, <laughs> which is, it's funny. Just mm. side note on Thursday, my boss asked me how we're going to celebrate my anniversary. Cause I'm very open about yeah. my sobriety today. Yeah. Cause I, I, I do that to help people. In, like I try to make noise. So if people need help, they come find me. We, your Instagram is Mitch motivates. So, I mean, I love yes. that. Dude. I mean, that's it. <laughs> we just said it, but yeah, good yeah. stuff. And my response was how we're going to celebrate. I was like, dude, I just want to show up to work <laughs> on time, get stuff done. Like that to me is celebrating my sobriety. Right. Yeah. So I did every scam in the book at that point, like s- stealing, consign like clothing consignment uh stealing jewelry mm-hmm. writing my drug dealer i had such good credit with my drug dealer i would write checks right oh, shit. <laughs> and it wasn't until rehab till i heard other people do the same things write yeah. checks you know had credit built up you know um I, I i would lie cheat steal a big thing was like gift cards back mm. back then this is like 2005 2006 they didn't ID you when you showed up with a credit card at like Dwayne Reed or, or whatever convenience store to buy a gift card. Oh, wow. So I would buy gift cards and then you like American Express with a stolen credit card and then use that to buy drink. Uh, okay. So it, it, I I was very creative yeah, um, and committed a lot of crimes, right, <laughs> to, 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 to get the next one, you know, and I really couldn't stop. So my bottom happened I, I, April of my freshman year of college. I, re- I went from Indiana where I was living at the time back to Jersey for a family thing and ended up running away uh, from home. Uh, no one knew where I went. I was supposed to be home to be with my family and my parents filed a missing persons report, mm. like milk cart, like back of a milk cart and like my poor Mitch is missing, you know? Wow. And then they tracked out, like they tracked me down to some hotel room in Jersey. Uh, yeah. I got a knock on the door and it's like six police officers, and I start breakdown, crying, uh, but not before I flush the drugs. You know, I looked through the people, so it was cops, flush the drug, you know. I, and then um, they took me to a hospital. That's the protocol when you find a missing person. You have to take them to the hospital. My parents came, and I, that was when I told them I had a problem. And a week later, I was in rehab, and I was in treatment for a total of eight months. And, and that's the beginning I mean, that was 2006. The first couple of years I relapsed for two years, but that was the beginning of my recovery. And that was just, you were like 19 at that time, right? The first time yeah. you went to rehab. So you were still, I mean, you're still a kid at 19, man. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so, but that's good that um, you you went in at such a young age though too. Do you think that was to your, your benefit or what, were you ready for it? Like, did you want to go? Was that a willing thing or were you kind of forced into it? Yeah. No, I wanted to go. Like I, when I saw 
when they took me to when they found me and took me to the hospital, I was like, I need help. I, yeah. I couldn't stop. I was out of control. And I always looked at it as like obvious that I'm a freshman in college. Everyone else is moving on with their life and I'm in treatment. Yeah. It was obvious to me that I had a problem. And forever, I always looked at it and I still do as a blessing that I got sober so young. You know, yeah. dude, I went to rehab with like people that got divorced that can't see their children, mm-hmm. you know, their wives or husband want nothing to do with them. You know, yeah. that, that, that this one girl, I remember killed someone when she was drunk. She was driving in a DUI, crashed the car, killed, you know, what? like I was grateful and I still am, but I never had those big consequences. Yeah. Yeah, we read about that stuff often or hear about it. Um, I've heard plenty of, of similar stories, and um, I do think about that sometimes too. And and I'm very same, very grateful. Like acknowledge that, like that could have been me. That could have been I could have hurt somebody else. I could have hurt myself. I could have hurt my my kid at the time too, because I was same, not making good decisions, you know. And uh, I think the opportunity that. Uh, you know, that you have, that I have, that many other who listen to the podcast, who are just out there doing their own uh, walk and their own recovery, um, man, taking that uh, to your point earlier, motivating people, speaking into people, encouraging people, letting them know that there's hope out there. That is the gift that God gave us back and and didn't, yeah. that we, we didn't, we, we got another opportunity. We got another shot at it. So I love to see dudes like you out there who are, um, you know, just, doing that walk, that straight walk, trying to do the best you can, being honest about it and then giving back too. Um, yeah. What, uh, well, I, I was going to, I was going to jump into that. What are some of the stuff you do now? But before we get there, what, yeah. so what happened? I said you, I had some notes here that you worked in recovery for 10 years. Yes. So what happened after you went to rehab? Got it. So to me, I always like, and you know, I talked about consistency and just like trying to make the next right move. Um, with always thinking about my sobriety first. So here were my next couple steps. I I went from rehab to a halfway house. It was a guy, this guy, Scotty in the Poconos that used to work at the rehab. I went to, I went to the Karen foundation, grateful for them. Um, Then from when I was living with Scotty in the halfway house for four months, I got an apartment with guys from the house, right? Then from there, I found out that Rutgers University in New Jersey had a program for students in recovery. So I I transferred to Rutgers and I was there in this recovery house there for another three years. Oh, wow. Then I moved to New York because they had a great recovery. I mean, New York is the home of AA. I mean, it's great sobriety out here, right? Um, I knew I was going to stay in Rutgers because I had a community there or move to New York. Just having smart feet. Um, you know, um, so I moved to New York with a guy that I met at Rutgers. We lived together. Mm. And so it's like, I keep up and then I lived with him for a year. And then I started working in recovery in New York for a recovery company in the city. So I always like, boom, boom. Like I always just kept on doing the next right thing. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. Cause I, I, I would imagine at the time when you're early out, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't wake up and and go, I'm going to work in recovery to, you know, yeah. and like it just by doing the next right thing, those things type kind of evolve over, um, over the period of time. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I met these guys, and I was working at a coffee shop, and I didn't like the coffee shop. And I called them, and I was like, "Hey, I, I hear you guys are working in in this halfway house." Yes, it coffee like sucks a- here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. I was a horrible barista. I could never get the cream up, the the foam on top. Right? Oh yeah, that, that, it looks hard. Yeah. It's like yeah, there's an art to that. You know, you got definitely got to yeah. know what that you're leaf. Doing. Yeah, they I should, don't know how they do, do it. You can do a leaf, you get a race. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, and I just like, and I knew a couple guys that were working for this company, and they ended up bringing me on part-time because I had a lot of experience, you know, in, in my life, the things I've done in, in my sobriety. And boom, next thing you know, I worked for this company for seven years. Then I worked on my own, doing Mitch Motivates, being my own recovery coach, coaching consultant. Uh, so, I mean, again, following the next steps, have you, yeah. have you worked in recovery? Do you know a lot about working in recovery? Have you worked in the business? I haven't worked. I, I mean, okay. not, not directly. So we've had okay. a couple of different, um, uh, promises, behavioral health, one of our sponsors and then foundations recovery. So I've been around in the industry at conferences and done a lot of mm-hmm. podcasting and stuff. So definitely been involved in it, but I know I haven't worked like directly for a okay. treatment center or anything like that before. It, okay. No, I was just curious to know your your thoughts yeah. because you know it, it's just that now I I do not work in recovery. I work for a plastic surgeon, mm-hmm. a plastic surgery business, and you know I always have a love hate relationship with the recovery business. Yeah. Well, what? So, what are your thoughts on that? I'm open to discussing yeah. and sharing anything, of course, too. I just didn't know specifically what you wanted, if you wanted my take on something. But no, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I do because it's like you know, because I was talking to some guy a couple of weeks ago. You know, yeah. he, he got sober through twelve step. Yeah. So he never went to treatment. He just walked into a meeting, stayed sober, right? So you have the guys like that, or girls like that, yeah. that are like that works. Yeah. And then you have people like me who went to treatment and worked in it and see how powerful that is, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you have people that blur the line, you know, and they kind of <laughs> ruin it for everybody. Totally. No, it's it's such a great point. Yeah. And it's a really it's a really interesting topic, I think, too, because like so for instance, for me, I'm I'll have yeah. I'm coming up on nine years, actually just coming up on the eleventh of September. So just in less than two Dude, congratulations, weeks. Congratulations. Yeah, th- man. thanks, man. And I, I can't believe it some days. I go, damn, nine nine years. Wow, where did that time go? Like look at what has taken place over the course of those nine years. I mean, I've had my son, he's eight now, and my wife and I's marriage is just like vastly improved and everything, man. It's amazing. And at the same time, I look back nine years ago. I think out of, cause I went to treatment too. I went to a 30 day inpatient in Sebastopol, California. Okay. And um, at the time I felt like I had no options. I had tried going to meetings and I just, I needed to go away for a minute. And um, out of, I think there was, I don't know, roughly 32 other people, men and women in there at the same time. And I know at about the five year mark, um, I had had some communication with a couple of the people who were still working at the place I went to and people who were, um, who were, uh, inside of uh, there when I was, and I was the only one left out of those 32 people that still had a consecutive five years at that time. So I think if we look at it statistically, yes, the numbers, um, they're fairly low actually of the success rate of people who actually continue on like yourself and have 14 years, like myself, I have nine years. I'm not saying that, um, you know, that there, that, that, 
you can't still have success just because you relapse. I mean, that's a part of so many people's stories there too. Um, yeah, it's a part of my story. Exactly. And, and I, and it's seeing it's, um, and I know it's a little different for all of us. And I think that's an, so that's another good point too. Mm-hmm. And you brought it up. Everybody's different. And some things that work for some people don't work for other people. And so I think it's really hard. Yeah. That's why I've always keeping like uh, kept sober guy, like this platform, very open to discussing all different pathways because stuff that worked for me might not work for somebody else and vice versa, you know? And, and really at the end of the day, I just want to see people live a better life and myself. I don't yeah. really, I don't really care how you do it as long mm-hmm. as you're succeeding at it and you're growing. And I mean, that's the most important, important thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what my life is today, dude. I'm just like, I'm happily living in the gray. Yeah. You know, I was once like a hardcore AA, like six to seven meetings a week. Yeah. Commitments up to Wazoo calling like seven people a day. <laughs> You know, like all the step work all the time. And I was so intense about it. I feel like I, I miss some, you know, that that is attractive and it works. But, it, it you know, today my life is very much in the gray. I, um, I do. I found what works for me. Yeah, it's good. And my goal is to stay sober myself and to help as many people as I can. Yeah. And I kind of found through this Mitch Motivates thing a way to a, a tiny way to do it. So you tell, know? tell us a little bit more about that. Mitch motivates. What, you know, what's your platform? Um, what is it about? Thank you. I mean, I started it, uh, just like on a whim. It, it was a funny story about, you know, some relationship drama. <laughs> I, I like, I was working out with one girl and then I was hooking up with another girl. And I told this other girl to come to this workout class and the two girls are, you know, fighting with each other. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm done with this. I'm going to start something where I motivate people to come work out because, you know, fitness has oh, always nice. helped me in my recovery, clear my head. You nice. know, it helped me quit cigarette. It helped me, I, you know, I smoked Newport cigarettes for like 10 years. So it helped me quit smoking. You smoke Newports? Were you, drink, were you drinking old E too? Were you drinking 211? <laughs> Two elevens and Newports. I love to crush those. Yeah, me too. I man, Uh, dude, that was the jam back in the day. We'd be doing music, crushing forties, smoking Parliaments and Newports. Man, I don't miss it though. I don't miss it. Oh my god! One time I was this crazy like war story. I was driving. I had a forty in my lap. I remember I had a flat tire in my car. It was raining, and I drive and I. Pull in my driveway and my parents are like waiting up for me. I just remember that 40 in my lap, drinking, driving, flat tire, it's raining. And I remember they literally strip searched me and I got like yelled at. And then I remember like just doing the same thing like the next day. Gosh, like, man. You know, yeah. it's powerful. Madness. Yeah, it is. So anyway, like I started Mitch Motivates as a fitness thing. Fitness has always helped me. I, I think that in many ways. And then it kind of progressed into mental health and then my uh, you know being my own sober coach and addiction and then i kind of started looping it together which is positive positivity motivational message like i kind of found my rhythm and now it's like everything mixed into into one i i just like i like to work out a lot i post about it i run um the new york city marathon every year and we raise money for this one foundation 
the Release Recovery Foundation. I'll give them a plug. My, oh, awesome. my boy, Zach and Justin. And they raise money for people for to get scholarships to treatment. Oh, that's amazing. And we do that every yeah. year. You know, last year, I think our team raised like a couple hundred thousand collectively. Wow. For this foundation. So I do that. I, 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 um, and I just like every day I just become obsessed with just positivity and good vibes and just like throwing that out there. And that's kind of what Mitch motivates us. It's like a mixture of fitness, mental health, recovery, and good vibes. Yeah. And, and I do that through my social media and more importantly, through my actions. Mm. You know, I don't like, to, I'm not like, you know, the, our country is very polarized today and, and I never like to talk at anyone else. I only just lead with my own positivity. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I love that because if we, mm-hmm. um, if we really do our best to stick to our experience, uh, cause no one wants to be told what to do. I don't care if it's the right answer or the wrong answer. Like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like I, and most people that I think there's that, that human nature is it's, we're kind of wired like that. And, um, I love too that, uh, fit. I didn't realize that fitness was, uh, was a big part of Mitch motivates too. And I, man, that's been a huge part of, um, of, of my recovery. And I know for a lot of Mm -hmm. dudes out there too, it's something that helps keep us grounded um, and get a lot of that energy out, get some of the, maybe we're, if we are having a bad day, that's something we can go do to kind of, you know, get a good workout in and uh, help release some of that, that stuff. Amen, man. And and what I tell people is like, even if it's a 20 minute walk, you know, science proves that that changes your brain chemistry. But then I'll tell, this what I started to realize through fitness and especially with the running is that like the things that I'm able to do are not only like cool like not only impressive for someone that's sober they're like impressive for like a human being <laughs> yeah you know and that's why I got into the I was you know I'm running my seventh marathon in November damn you know I, I'm like What's a I'll marathon? 20, 21 miles or 22? 26. Oh, 26. Is that crazy? Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, it is, man. Yeah, yeah. 20s. I wake up super early. I, I just start with doing something productive. Yeah. And I just carry that until I can't go anymore and I go to sleep. So if you, let, let's I'm set up a little, little example here. Like, let's say yeah. for a dude out there listening, um, you know, and he, he's has a bad day or a bad moment. Like, what do you do in, in an instance where, you know, cause all of our, all of our days, they're not perfect, man. Stuff happens sometimes. And we run mm-hmm. into things that can piss us off where we can tend to start future tripping, whatever the case is, when you run into those spots, like what is a little tool or, or something that you use to help reset and get you back into that PMA attitude? Yeah. Well, I, I have two answers, and I want to talk about them both. The first is meditation, mm-hmm. okay? I, friend, first, you have to understand what meditation is. It's not for me. It's not like a, um, yeah. It's like doing what I what puts what makes me feel good. Like for me, meditation is either driving with loud music and the windows down, or like listening to a podcast. Like I take a break from the office, but put on like a podcast about something cool and just take a walk. Yeah. You know, you find what centers you and clears your mind. And like, so that meditation always works seriously. And, and, you know, 
And then the second one is I throw anchors all over the place and I set myself up for success. Mm. Okay. And by throwing anchors, I mean, I got like, and I say this, like I've, I've made a lot of connections in my recovery and I set up my life knowing that these things may happen in the future and, and, and that, that I'm not always going to feel a hundred percent. And whether that's people, things I like doing, you know, the job I have, my, my fam- the, the way I am with my family, the way I am with like my dog, my apartment, everywhere I go, I set my life up to, in order for like what, like what's best for my recovery. Yeah. You know, and, and that takes a lot of work, but you know, that is always my number one priority. And whenever I hit a point like that, that I'm struggling something that I've done in the past to set myself up for success just always comes through. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, I get a call. Something happens. I, I need to do something productive at my job that puts me in a good, whatever it is. Yeah. I walk my dog. I got a dog because I, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm single and I want some company. So I, I have a dog, you know, everything in my life. I set my, I threw those anchors everywhere and I set myself up for success. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's funny when we just, do the next right thing, how God presents us with, you know, opportunities, something that makes us feel a little better, an opportunity to help somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I notice like whenever I'm pushing on that stuff or whatever it is, whenever I'm pushing at anything, man, I always hit a wall. Yeah. <laughs> I o- almost always hit a wall when I'm pushing, but like, as soon as I kick back and just go with the flow, like it tends to work out just how it's supposed to. Yeah, and, dude, it's about that. And, my higher power is, is fucking good energy, man. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Like, w- when I'm doing the right thing, even if things aren't going my way, it's just like, if I'm doing the right thing, it just always seems to work out. Yeah. yeah. And that's how it's been. When I take a step back and look back at my journey since I've been sober, that's how it's always been. I've yeah. always been taken care of, and it's my higher power, dude. It's God. What do you think are uh, some of the best things about not having to rely on alcohol, drugs? Um, do you bit like how conscious do you feel today too? Just in 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 because I'm a firm believer that alcohol, drugs, it actually subdues our consciousness. It makes us numb. It disconnects us from reality. It disconnects us from God or a, a relationship with something higher. Um, and the 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 blessing of not having to, to live like that anymore, man, it's huge. It, what are your thoughts on that? I know I asked you like five questions there, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, man. And I think I agree. I, I'm very self-aware today. Yeah. And that's such a blessing. I'm just like, I don't, it's not like a sixth sense, but it feels like one sometimes. Yeah. Like sure. I, I get you, man. Like I, I set like, and I could read people very well because I'm very present. Like, and I know if someone's like, and I just think it's a superpower and and I'm just walking around. It's like, you know, you know the deal if you're sober and it's just like a superpower to be self-aware and to be present, you know? Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. It's funny too, how we know, like as soon as we meet somebody, you can tell like in the first like minute of talking if they're sober too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a vibe yeah. there. Or it, maybe it's a little bit of language as well, but so it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I got you. Okay, got it. We're on the same page. 
Uh, contrary yeah, to that, oh, I was going to say, contrary to that, you can also tell when someone's having a rough, <laughs> a rough time with things too, but it's probably a little more uh, relevant. Dude, it's the, co- it's the fact, it's the common struggle. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm just going to take a guess. I bet you in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, did you, your podcast was big, was huge. You know, did probably, did you have your podcast then? Yeah. In, yeah. We've, um, man. Yeah. Yeah, we started in twenty um fourteen. Got so, it, got yeah. it. So so yeah, I mean like it's that common struggle. So I you know, that's one thing looking back in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, March twenty twenty, yeah. I really kind of took off. Yeah. And you know, you have that common struggle and common bond with people that even no matter what's going on out there, you know, you just get to connect with those people that have walk you know, been through to the gates of hell like you have. Yeah. And I've got through it on the other side, you know? Yep. Love it, man. People just want connection to want to be part of something community. That's really what, what helps us. I think in the, in the day to day and the long run. Um, well, dude, it's been, yeah. it's, it's been so great to have you on the podcast. We just got a couple minutes. Um, I want to, okay. uh, I want to um, plug your Instagram. It's at Mitch Thank motivates you, and uh, we'll put that in the, uh, the description uh, show notes too. So it's easy for people to find um, man, Mitch, uh, before we wrap up for anyone listen listening out there right now who's struggling maybe they need a little word of encouragement a little motivation from Mitch man what, what would you uh, what would you say and thank you Shane I'm grateful for the plug um, listen an L is a lesson it's not a loss that's because where I always go to the negative an L is a lesson and rejection is God's protection because because trust me mm. If I'm thinking, if I'm down, that's the first thing I'm thinking. Like, why, why me? You know, poor me. Yeah. And I promise you, I've had so many losses, and so, I've been rejected so many times, even in sobriety. And when I really understand that it's just a lesson, and use that as fuel to keep moving forward, like I'm unstoppable, bro. That's unstoppable. Good. I love it, man. So we're learning. We're learning as we're going, man. That's so good. Um, dude, thanks so much for coming on uh, the podcast today, man. It's been great to talk to you, get to know you a little bit. And, uh, man, just take care of yourself and let's keep in touch, man. Yeah, thanks, Shane.